Home of New Vision is a state-licensed and CARF-accredited nonprofit organization in Ann Arbor, providing a comprehensive, safe, gender-specific continuum of services for women in recovery from chemical dependency. Our services include 6- to 12-month transitional living, outpatient services, detox, outreach, short-term residence, and a variety of services that are designed to meet the needs of recovering women. HNV is currently recruiting female volunteers to provide childcare while mothers at our women's and children's home are in therapy. Volunteers help the women that use our services relax and make the most of treatment by providing safe care for their children. If you would like to donate your time or make a tax-deductible monetary donation, please contact us. For referrals and inquiries, please call 734-975-1602 or email homevision at provide.net. A box of chocolates Would I know To stay away What's said Pandora's box A box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have Half a mind to leave you Babe that means I have Half a mind to stay it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening. This is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food, specifically small fish. Well, today anyway. Today is the very last day of the last sardine cannery in the U.S. The last sardine cannery in the U.S. is closed today. It has closed today. And so our show today is about the sardine and its good friends. And we're all good friends, aren't we? But in the meantime, a public service announcement. Today is tax day. This is it. If you haven't filled out your taxes, do it now. Get it in the mail. Do it now. And if you don't do it, George Jones is going to get you. Well, I was sent to a place in North Carolina to check up on a moonshine still. But when I got there, to my surprise, I could see a little light on the hill. Well, the fires was a-glowing, already I was knowing I was really hard on the track. But in D.C., they said it couldn't be, but I'll be the one to bring them back. Cause I'm a revenue man. Yeah, I'm a revenue man. I got a badge in my pocket and a gun on my hip. Damn moonshine, better never make a slip, cause I'm a revenue man. Yeah, I'll get on him again. I'm a revenue man I got a 
You don't care if you got a still or you got a small business or a hot dog stand or you just forgot to pay your taxes. He's coming to get you. George Jones is coming to get you. He's the Revenuer Man, helpfully spelled R-E-V-E-N-O-O-E-R Man for phonetic purposes. George Jones, thank you, man. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food, and today the smell of herring is going away from Maine. For the past 135 years, sardine canneries have been as much a part of Maine's small coastal villages as the thick down-east fog. This is from Clark Canfield of the Associated Press. It's been estimated that more than 400 sardine canneries have come and gone along the state's long, jagged coast. The lone survivor, the Stinson Seafood Plant in eastern Maine's Prospect Harbor, shuts down today after a century in operation. It's the last sardine cannery not just in Maine, but in the U.S. And it came as a surprise to these employees when Bumblebee Foods, which owned the factory in, ever since 2008, announced that the plant would close because of steep cuts in the amount of herring fishermen are allowed to catch on the Northeast. Now, weren't we just talking about sardines? I thought we were talking about sardines and herring. What about pilchers? You know, this is the thing about sardines I must stop to mention if you're a sardine, to, to be a sardine is to have an identity crisis. Let me explain. You see, if you're a sardine, it, it's a general category. It's not really one specific kind of tiny little fish. They're related to herring, and sardine and pilchard are actually two similar kinds of fish categorizations. It's a little hard to explain. It's hard enough being a fish in a can labeled chicken of the sea or bumblebee to be a fish and, and know that you're a bumblebee or a chicken, which really don't breathe underwater that I know of. We'll get to breathing underwater and how fish do that in a moment, but to be a sardine is to have an identity crisis. That's, that's really all i got to say on that matter. But uh, here, here's the deal. The New England Fishery Management Council set this year's herring quota at 91,000 metric tons, down from 180,000 tons in 2004 because of the uncertain scientific outlook of the region's herring population. And many herring are scientists. Shortages have forced Bumblebee to truck in much of the herring needed at the main plant from its other cannery in Blacks Harbor, New Brunswick, Canada, and from herring suppliers as far away as New Jersey. Even without the quota cuts, the plant was under pressure from shrinking consumer demand, increased foreign competition from countries with lower labor costs, primarily from China and Thailand, and thin margins and low prices on the retail market. Now, this is the last sardine cannery in America closing today. It's in Maine. You know, the first sardine cannery actually in America opened in Maine in the 1800s, in the late 1800s, and the last one now closing. Now, Mayor Maine Governor John Baldacci says a deal is close, though, to saving the plant that is home to the nation's last sardine cannery. 
there's a possibility. Well, Bumblebee has done this very exciting thing. They've signed a non-binding letter of intent, and that just gives me goosebumps at the excitement of it. Uh, they've signed a non-binding letter of intent with a seafood processing company that is interested in buying the plant. A new owner would use the plant to process seafood, but probably not sardines. We'd know in the middle of next month, and the prospective buyer would give hiring preference to current employees at the sardine cannery. The buyer has not been named. But we'll go on now and think about what sardine are like in the next life, shall we? I mean, it's already confusing enough in this life, but Charlie Chaplin wants to know what it's like in the next life and wants you to know what he wants to be. When I was three, my nurse told me about reincarnation. And ever since I've been convinced, thrilled with anticipation, that when I leave this earth, it makes my heart feel warm to know that I'll return in some other form. But I don't want to be a tree sticking in the ground. I'd sooner be a flea. I don't want to be a flower waiting by the hour, hoping for pollens to alight on me. So when I cease to be... I want to go back, I want to go back, I want to go back to the sea. All for the life of a sardine, that is the life for me. Cavorting and spawning every morning under the deep blue sea. To have no fear for storm nor gale, oh, to chase the tail of a whale. Oh, for the life of a sardine, that is the life for me. Well, that was slightly disorienting. That was Charlie Chaplin and the Sardine Song from the movie Limelight. Thank you for watching that on your radio. This is Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. This is a show about food and culture. The last sardine cannery in America has closed today, and we're taking a moment to think about sardines and their legacy and their legs. They don't have legs. But... Here's another thing about sardines you need to know. Sardines, as we were saying, were similar in some ways to herring, and there are some mighty fine poems about sardine, which you may not realize. The Song of the Sardine, for instance, I'm going to read that to you right now. This is by Robert Service. Robert William Service was a poet and writer, sometimes referred to as the Bard of the Yukon. He's best known for his writings on the Canadian North, including the poems The Shooting of Dan McGrew, who was not a sardine, the Law of the Yukon, and the Cremation of Sam McGee, who may be reincarnated as a sardine. His writing was so expressive that his readers took him for a hard-bitten old Klondike prospector, not the later-arriving bank clerk that he actually was. Why, you later-arriving bank clerk, you. Service was born into a Scottish family while they were living in England. Song of the Sardine by Robert Service. A fat man sat in an orchestra stall and his cheeks were wet with tears as he gazed at the prima donna tall whom he hadn't seen in years. Oh, don't you remember, he murmured low, that spring in Montparnasse, when hand in hand we used to go to our nightly singing cloths. Ah, me those days so gay and glad, so full of hope and cheer, and that little super that we had of tinned sardines and beer. When you looked so like a little queen with your proud and haughty air, that I took from the box the last sardine, and I twined it in your hair. 
Mm. Alas, I am only a stockbroker now while you are high and great. The laurels of fame adorn your brow while on you princes wait. And as I sit so sadly here and list to your thrilling tones, you cannot remember I sadly fear if my name is Smith or Jones. Yet, oh, these days of long ago when I had scarce a sou, and as my bitter tears downflow, I think again of you. And once again, I seem to see that mad of sweet sixteen, within whose tresses tenderly I twined that bright sardine. And now the chorus. Sing along now, would you? I'm going to read, but you sing. Oh, that sardine in your hair, I can see it shining there. As I took it from its box, and I twined it in your locks, silver sardine in your hair, like a jewel rich and rare, oh, that little silver sardine in your hair. Oh, that's beautiful. That is Robert Service, the man who also wrote The Shooting of Dan McGrew and the Cremation of Sam McGee. This is Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. And there's actually a full album about herring. Again, I was mentioning sardines, pilchards, and herring are, are quite related. They, they go way back. They, they've done a lot together. They've had full lives that they've shared. And we're going to hear, this is a full CD by Gordon Bach called Herrings in the Bay, wouldn't you know? There's a song called Herring Croon, but because we're taking a moment to commemorate the last sardine fishery in America, closing today in Maine, we're going to listen to a song called Cannery Shed. This is from Gordon Bach, and it says in parentheses, Stella I don't know if we're going to get uh, somebody shouting Stella on this, but we'll see what happens. I think a woman named Stella is going to sing this. I worked all my life in the cannery shed, and if I'm dying or you think I'm dead, don't bury my bones, but put me instead in the can in the cannery shed. The cannery shed perches over the river where the winter winds blow. You freeze and you shiver when the boss comes around. I might have to give her my opinion of the cannery shed. I worked all my life in the cannery shed. And if I'm dying or you think I'm dead, don't bury my bones. But put me instead in the can in the cannery shed. We chop off the heads and we chop off the tails. Scoop out the guts and throw them in the pails. We won't get a rest till the next schooner sails from the dock at the cannery shed. I worked all my life in the cannery shed. And if I'm dying or you think I'm dead, don't bury my bones. Don't put me instead in the can in the cannery shed. There's no time to talk and there's no time to linger. Better move sharp or you might lose a finger. It'll turn your stomach if you knew everything had been canned in the cannery shed. I worked all my life in the cannery shed. And if I'm dying or you think I'm dead, don't bury my bones. Don't put me instead in the can in the cannery shed. Now Thane went away and he wrote me a letter. I tucked it up high in the sleeve of my sweater. I slipped and I fell and it ended in the shredder. Got canned in the cannery shed. I worked all my life in the cannery shed. And if I'm dying or you think I'm dead, don't bury my bones. But put me instead in the can in the cannery shed. Now the cannery bones. 
boy is a very happy fella if he gets him a girl from the town of Stella. I would if I could, but I'm not gonna tell you what goes on behind the cannery shed. I worked all my life in the cannery shed, and if I'm dying or you think I'm dead, don't bury my bones, but put me instead in the can in the cannery shed. There you go, Gordon Bach, and perhaps a woman named Stella. Perhaps it was actually a herring named Stella, or a sardine named Stella. I'll have to check these liner notes and get back to you. Gordon Bach from an album called Herrings in the Bay. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food and the dignity of teeny tiny fishes. Yes, in fact, the last, the last sardine cannery in the U.S. closed today after a century in business. It was in Maine, and it was, in fact, to be specific, in the town of... I hate when I don't have the information right in front of me. Here's the, let me tell you something. This is very exciting. In Monterey, California, far from the shores of Maine, a group of self-described sardinistas, 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 has taken on the task of trying to get Americans to eat more sardines. This is also from the Associated Press. It was in Monterey where sardine canneries were made famous in John Steinbeck's 1945 novel Cannery Row about the misfits and outcasts on a street lined with sardine canneries. They don't have those anymore, do they, those streets? The group is formulating a business plan in hopes of returning the lowly sardine to the American palate, said Mike Sutton, a vice president at the Monterey Bay Aquarium, who says sardines, high in beneficial omega-3 fatty acids, low in contaminants, are among the healthiest seafoods around. But not canned sardines. Sutton's group wants to promote fresh sardines sold at white tablecloth restaurants or in foil packs or in prepared foods at retail stores, much the way tuna and salmon are now sold. And there you have it. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and we'll be back after this message. Fish don't really breathe the way we do. A fish gets its oxygen from the air dissolved in the water. It gulps in water and pushes it out past the gills. There, oxygen passes through thin walls of tiny blood vessels into the body. At the same time, waste carbon dioxide is picked up from the blood vessels in the gills and goes out with the water. How do the fish breathe? Fish breathe. We all live in a yellow submarine. No, sorry. Um, speaking of Beatles, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But that, thank you very much, Marae and Miranda. And thank you, Eric, for helping me get to this Marae and Miranda and this uh, wonderful sardine song by Charlie Chaplin. Thank you, Eric, for helping me procure those fine sardine moments. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and we are going to talk about sardines and herring. We've talked about both, but pilchards. Pilchards, some say, are in some way related to the sardine, and we're going to explore that in just a moment here. But first of all, there's a person, or at least a, a concept of a person by the name of Semolina Pilchard, who we want to think about for just a moment here. Semolina Pilchard, who is from Wikipedia, or at least has an account on Wikipedia. 
And how they got that name? Well, Semolita Pilchard is a line from I Am the Walrus, the famous song by the Beatles, I Am the Walrus. Semolina Pilchard climbing up the Eiffel Tower, and so on. Now, many people, says Semolina Pilchard, the person or concept, perhaps a sardine, have tried to find the true meaning behind this name, but it's actually quite simple. Semolina is a type of pudding that John Lennon was forced to eat as a child, and Pilchard is a type of sardine that was usually fed to cats. Oh, the cats like sardines. Now, this actually is an interesting story. This is how a sardine made John Lennon's life a living hell. Sort of. The Scotland Yard, or in my, in my lips, too, the Scotland Yard drug squad detective named Sergeant Pilcher, who led a midnight raid on John Lennon's London flat, privately explained to the Home Secretary that he needed a large number of police with him because he expected to find an unusual party involving large numbers of people in full swing. Detective Sergeant Norman Nobby Pilcher... Nobby is a common name for sardines in England, who built his drug squad career targeting musicians including Mick Jagger, Eric Clapton, and Donovan, finally turned his attention to the biggest prize of all, a beetle, in October 1968. A confidential Scotland Yard file, which was released at the National Archives to the which was released at the National Archives to the Guardian newspaper under the Freedom of Information Act, shows that Pilcher came under strong pressure from the then Home Secretary, James Callahan, after a raid on a Marleybone flat. In his report hand-delivered to the Home Secretary, Pilcher tried to explain why it had taken seven police officers and two dogs to raid Lennon's flat, and how it was that the press managed to just happen to be on the scene within minutes of the drug bust. It was widely believed that Lennon had already immortalized Sergeant Pilcher as Semolina Pilchard in the Beatles' song, I Am the Walrus. The Beatle described him as a head-hunting cop. He said he went round and bust every pop star he could get his hands on, and he got famous. Some of the pop stars had dope in their house, and some of them didn't. On this occasion, Lennon was confident that he didn't. At the time, he lived with Yoko Ono in the flat that he rented from George Harrison at 34 Montague Square. The previous tenant had been Jimi Hendrix. And this goes on and on. You know, he, Lennon had always insisted he'd been framed by Pilcher, who was subsequently jailed for corruption because of his practices in the drug squad. Lennon was fined for possession, but the conviction was to give him years of trouble and pain. It was enough to trigger a deportation order against him in the U.S. in 1971 and a subsequent four-year battle against being thrown out of the U.S. Ono said it also contributed to the couple losing custody of their daughter, Kyoko. The Scotland Yard file shows that not only did the drug squad's only two sniffer dogs named Yogi and Boo Boo find some cannabis, but that the police also claimed they had a battle getting into the flat.
listening to some of I Am the Walrus by John Lennon and them Beatles there. Walrus, not necessarily seafood, but here's something that might be seafood. This might be it. the name of uh, Jan Yalego on the YouTubes. He's singing a song called Le Blues de la Sardine à lui. À lui. Yes. The Blues of the Sardine in Oil. That appears to be the entire lyric, in fact. But he's playing a song about sardines on a ukulele, so you really can't go wrong. De la Sardine à l'huile, in which I hope I, I apologize if I have cut the head off of that that French phrase there, but that is by Jan Yalego playing the ukulele. Jan Yalego ukulele, I like that. I like Jan Yalego's ukulele. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike. In spite of everything, nonetheless, the last sardine cannery in the U.S. has closed today. We've been spending the day paying homage to that sardines, herrings, and pilchardses. And one last thought. Um, coming up next, it's Face the Music with R. Wolf. I want to apologize. I didn't have time to, to... I'll just take just a second here to congratulate and say Happy New Year to people of Thai descent, Thai people, and in other countries in the world that are celebrating the New Year now. I was going to spend a little more time on that, but nonetheless, I ran out of time. But just a few moments now. Text from the show, the Down Home Show on WCBN, tipped me off to a recipe called herring in a fur coat and I, and I could have sworn that was a smith song herring in a fur coat ha, ha, ha. no maybe not though but i found from a website yulinka cooks yulinka cooks herring in a coat the russian version of seven layer salad is usually made for new years new years there you go but it's often served at festive dinners year round a layer of herring is covered with beets potatoes and eggs dressed with mayo and topped with herbs onions and sometimes olives Every family has its own recipe, but I think my mom's has a leg up thanks to a layer of tart apple that gives its rich appetizer a nice kick. Herring in a fur coat is best when made 12 to 24 hours before serving and left to marinate in the fridge. 
And some of the ingredients listed on this web, this blog, actually, uh, Yulinka Cooks, include herring fillet. Uh, now it says about one pound salt prepackaged at a rush at a Russian store, not pickled herring, however. Two small cooked, cooled, and peeled potatoes, and one large cooked beet. Eggs, Granny Smith apple, red onion, scallions, parsley, and or dill, and it's delicious. So look up how delicious that is at Yulinka Cooks. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike, as I mentioned a couple of seconds ago. Coming up next, Arbel will help us to face the music. It's WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Thank you for listening. Keep on listening. And here's the theme from the old TV show, Fish. Nothing going on. Ain't nothing. Uh-uh. Nothing going on around here. Nothing. Unless you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3. That's the only thing happening here. The only thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, we'll see you, kid. Yeah, take care. Take care, yeah. Hey. Hey, kid. Kid. Look out. Look out. Look out. Oh, yeah. Just past 7 o'clock, this is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and my name is R. Wolf, and it's time to face the music. Look over in this direction. <laughs> 